This week, I make things a little bit spicy. And I try to contain my food gases. Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Garrett. And we watch anime. Garrett, this week is a good week because we like to talk about a little bit legitimacy usually when we have these podcasts, but we know, I look at our stats every week and I know where our bread is buttered. <laughs> it's in the etchy fan service that we all know and love. And that's why this week I decided to pick an anime that not only offers fan service, but offers so much fan service that it circles the earth with all of its fan service and then ends back up on fun and comedic and actually really interesting. This Absolutely. week we did Shokugeki no Soma, also known in English as Food Wars. Mm. So, Garrett, initial thoughts, maybe one or two sentences on what you thought about this week's uh, episodes. Take the original Iron Chef that came out of Japan, put everyone in bikinis, and every week is an epic dish that causes you to mess your pants. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what the show is, and I have zero problems with that. <laughs> it's like, remember onions, those things that you just kept in your cabinet sometimes? Well, imagine it went on beef and your clothes exploded. That is, <laughs> that's the lengths by which they make food seem as amazing as they make it seem in this show. So um, just to kind of give you a little bit of a brief summary of uh, this anime, just to give you a synopsis for me, I actually first heard of this anime as part of the like post-Naruto, post-Bleach, you know, weekly Shonen Jump that was coming out to like replace the big three as they were all kind of reaching around. One Piece is still going, but the rest kind of, they needed something new, a new property to fill in the Fill the spot. Fill the spot. And like My Hero Academia is doing that right now. Uh, Black Clover is kind of doing that now. But Food Wars was a nice little filler to get to that place because it offers all the things that we love on Shonen Anime, which is the fan service, mm -hmm. the humor, the comedy, the slapstick. Uh, it, it's a very easy topic to talk about. It's, it's fighting but with food. So like all the stuff that normally would have swords or like dudes that stretch their arms, this right. comes in the form of steak chapeline. So uh, it came out roughly around like 20, 2015, 2016, but the animated oh, okay. about 2018. So the anime, as you can see, is very crisp. It's mm -hmm. very polished. It's very well, like it's actually well drawn. And yep. so when I remember reading the manga going like, I bet that I hope they make the food look as good as they made in the manga. So some initial impressions as well. What did you think about the show so far? Was it fun? Was it interesting? Was it too much? I thought it was great. So a little bit for those tuning in this week about the show. Um, essentially, uh, the show is based around this character, uh, Yukihira. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a 15-year-old teenager, and he works in his father's restaurant, the family restaurant, but the mother, maybe we'll find out what happens later, but she's no longer in the picture. Uh, her father runs this his father runs this restaurant. And it's just like a local diner, what they would refer to as a diner in Japan, yeah. except the food is exquisite. And his father is an incredible chef, and he's constantly pushing his son, Yukihira, to better himself. And all Yukihira wants to do is beat his freaking dad. And, like, take and him he to the just diner. can't do it. Yeah, like if he could just stay in the diner, that's what he'd want to right. do. Right. Uh, so uh, out of nowhere, his father shows up one day and says, son, by the way, we're going to close for two or three years. My bad. And he, just, he just jets. He <laughs> leaves. He goes, I'll give you money once in a while. And he gives him like $5. <laughs> and, 
And he sends him off to the school, which if you're in America, you essentially know the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, very close to where we grew up. But that's uh, secondary. That's not even secondary. That's, that's collegiate. Like, yeah. you go there. Uh, the culinary school started when people came back from World War II and they needed to learn a trade, so they right. taught them how to cook. But you, you start there when you're 18. This culinary school, the uh, Totsuki mm -hmm. Culinary School, um, you start, I think, in middle school. You, yeah, you have like you a go to elementary school, your regular school, you can go in in middle school, uh, and then you can even transfer in right before high school right. as well. Um, he, he rolls in, and everybody's like getting out of a Bentley or a Mercedes because yeah. all these kids are rich because it's yeah. the most competitive school in the country, and so-and-so's father uh, runs the National Wholesaler. And this other guy's father has Michelin star restaurants and another girl's father uh you know owns the largest chain of restaurants in Japan and so on and so forth and so you can hear it feels a little out of place and he has to get I, I don't know if you should get in this but essentially well, each episode for episode but yeah right so now you've got the premise so he's at this school so you're clearly gonna get some some food porn which right. you know Everyone loves food porn on Instagram, so why not have it in, in this? Like, um, you're gonna have the dynamic of high school students battling with each other. It's for still high school. We never leave high school when we do these shows. And there are more breasts at this school than probably actually exist in Japan. <laughs> so, funny because like, and they're all very shiny. Very shiny. They they of boobs, yeah. So, and I also think it's really crazy because, you know, when they introduce the school, they're like, "This in middle school, we try to teach you the all the basics, and you and we drill it into you." And like, at the worst, the stakes are you get a bad grade. Here, the stakes couldn't be worse. <laughs> like, it's like you mess up, you put too much salt in this thing, you're a goner. That's how much these kind of things. Well, they kicked out one kid, so they, their whole thing is that only 10% of the people who go there graduate and right. like thousands and thousands of people mm -hmm. try to matriculate, but only right. like 10, 10% make it. But at one point, one of like the guest chefs is like, he, he kicks a guy out because he smells his citrus hair product across yeah. the room. And he's like, you dare ruin the food in my restaurant with your hair product. And he kicks him out of the school. So I think what's interesting about this anime is that you would think that the central theme is like, Food and boobs. Like, if you were to summarize this, this this show, it'd be jiggling breasts and food. But really, what this show tries to do, and weirdly enough, it gets wholesome at some point, is, like, the mm -hmm. idea that hot cuisine is not the extent by which you can get creative, by which you can be the best of something. And it kind of, like, inspires the Japanese spirit of what right. you, you try to be the best at. It's like, Yugi here is constantly trying to go through this, like, upstart school and be like, I actually worked in a restaurant. I actually know what I'm doing. And I, I went through the mm -hmm. trials and tribulations of having people look at your food, eat your food and judge your food. So he felt right. as someone who like worked at the rough mm -hmm. and tumble, you can hear a diner that it was, you know, that was his battle. So like he goes to this place with such high stakes to him. It's not, it's just another day at the, at the, well, beach. because high stakes to someone who's ever actually worked in the kitchen is right. getting the food out on time so that the customer doesn't walk out the door. That's high stakes. Right, exactly. And another thing is that his, so that gives him this like outward attitude of like, 
not caring. Like the world could be crumbling around him and he's that right. dog in like in the cup sipping a coffee going, yeah. everything's good while well, everything yeah. burns around him. Like he, he just he cares face. deeply though. It's just he has perspective. Right, exactly. And he's constantly running, butting himself up into each individual member of Totsuki who is actually are parts of legacies of real the real cuisine. So the first episode I mean, let's just jump into the first episode. So just okay. so we can introduce, like, what you... When you walked into Yugihira no Soma, uh, uh, Shokugeki no Soma, and you learned about this show, and you watched it the first time, we'll jump into, like, the main story, which really didn't start until episode two. Right. What was your experience learning with the first episode, and what, what, what did you take from it? So what I take from it is that I clearly have not eaten enough good meals in my life. <laughs> because... According to Food Wars, when I enjoy a meal, I should leap to the sky. All of my clothes will explode off me in a series of ribbons. Yes. My cheeks will turn bright red. And I will experience a, a, a fantasy in which oh. I am someplace that this food has inspired me to right. be. So... I think I've been eating garbage for 35 right, exactly. years. If you haven't had an experience where you're completely naked and there's food inconspicuously covering your private parts, then you just haven't, you haven't lived, man. You just haven't lived yet. I guess not. I just remember when I first watched it and read it, I was like, oh God, what am I getting myself into? Because you read the first one and it almost gets a little BDSM-y with the land, la with the land shark lady. Like, yes. he's yes. like, he's like, not only, because she came, okay, so I'll give a quick rundown for this okay, one. Yeah. Yukihira, he is on runs this diner. Then a land shark comes in to try to take over to make a hotel to make the latest in cuisine and in apartments and stuff like that. And we don't need these trashy diners. It was her point. Right. And so he goes, he goes, sure, I'll close my shutters when you can tell me my food's no good and we can't serve our customers like we good. You know, being all sassy about it. And she goes, do you hold that to it? And so when she, he came back to his, his diner the next day, all of his food was ruined. Like they took all the meat out of the fridge. Everything was ruined. Yeah, um, it was sabotaged. But luckily for him, he had like a few extra items in his bag. And right. she goes, okay, you said you could, you'd close down if you didn't have the food. Well, I want a meat dish. Mm -hmm. and, and so he goes ahead and he serves her. So, so Garrett, she asked for a meat dish. What did he make for her? What did you, what did you learn? A mashed potato loaf wrapped in bacon. But a mashed potato loaf with bacon, so good that... She not only lost her ability to not eat food, like she just she she was a slave to the bacon. Mm -hmm. So bad that like when he took the plate away from her, he's like, "Oh, you want this? Well, I guess you don't want it anymore." She's like, yeah. oh, come back!" And her bosoms were heaving so bad. She's right, like, and all all her security detail, her security personnel also exploded into like yeah. you know ribbons of clothing. And I it was like they were all like like not only were they like orgasming, but they were like almost like they were shooting. Like like rockets of, out of their taint, like ah, and like shooting up in the space. That's how much this bacon potato mashed potato dish did for them. So yeah, when you I, first saw that, and I know you watched this with your wife, yeah. what did, did you think? Kyle's out of his dang mind. Why? Did, what did he make me watch? Well, I don't. You you'd give me a little bit of heads up. You said, oh, it's it's bordering on etchy. It's not hentai, but it's like bordering on etchy. So I I thought it'd be ridiculous. And look. Food is incredible. I, I love food. I seek out the best food from diners all the way to right. the nicest of restaurants. But we've sort of put it on this pedestal of this 
amazing life-changing thing that that it can be and so i mean i got it they just basically took it to like volume 32 <laughs> like if on where the dial goes to 10 and spinal tap goes to 11 they took it to 32 <laughs> <laughs> it's true and I think the first episode was a good placeholder, but really the series starts when he gets to Totsuki and you finally meet uh, his first adversary of the whole group, which was um, Nakiri uh, Irina. Irina Nakiri. Yes. So uh, what did you think of that relationship? And, and quick pop quiz, what kind of character is Irina? Uh, oh, I actually don't recall which type of archetype. Uh, what, was she, is she a kudere? She's, no, she's, cool she's like a super suit today. She humps so much that she's always what? like, "Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." It's such a yeah. suit today, but yeah. don't worry, you'll get the hang of it. I want the you one to that always has the eyebrows and yeah, the eyebrows like furrow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so the suit today, the 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 god tongue, which is not at all dirty. What did you think of her? Keep going. Mm. I know exactly. It was just like any woman who wants to beat Yuki here to first has to like lick her lips as if. Right, so for those who were, like, listening and watching, she just constantly ran her tongue from one side of her mouth to the other across her lips, like... <laughs> She's the god tongue, and, I, and they emphasized... Oh, that, wait, wait, wait. That, okay. Yeah, I, don't, I think you're going where I'm going with this, but go ahead. <laughs> so, so the god tongue. So she is also 15 years old, and yes. she's at this school, um, and she is uh, uh, a part of this group called the Ten. Yeah. Which we'll get a little bit more into in the next yeah. couple of episodes. Right. But she's elite-level stuff. But she's and, also, like, the granddaughter of the principal, essentially. <laughs> right, the granddaughter of the, the principal of the school. Yeah. And she supposedly has this god tongue. So she can, she's this amazing palate that can identify different things. At one point, they talk about when she was, like, nine, she tasted, like, 23 or 25 different yeah. salts in a row, and she could name what prefecture right. uh, in Japan they were from. But my absolute favorite was they showed her as a baby suckling on her mom's teeth. And she pulls away and goes, it's so-so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, she says something like, lacks flavor. Yeah, it lacks flavor. And she's got the, like, the kudere eyes, so she's like, she's like, lacks flavor. But it's just like, that, it, as I said, it circles the earth. It's ridiculous. But then you're like, that's freaking hysterical. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Unreal. This is the god tongue. She's she yeah. she she's the person that really visualizes yeah. food as it is, and then if it's something slightly off, she'll mm -hmm. see like a gorilla in a bathtub, or she'll see hippos crossing a beach. Like she'll right. Well, that's right. So one of the things is when they do these uh, flashback fantasies or whatever they are, these asides. Yeah. Is a lot of times she'll be like, oh, I'm in paradise. Oh, I'm in this hot spring in paradise. And then, as you said, the lowland gorilla shows up yeah. and she explains, like, she opens her eyes and she's like, your dish has failed on 27 points. <laughs> um, but, so, Yukihira gets to the school in episode number two, yeah. and because she's a part of this group called the Ten, which we're not going to get into just yet, um, she gets the test who can transfer in and out. And she essentially fails everybody because she says, you have to make a dish for me right now. Main ingredient is eggs. And like 800 kids run away because they're so intimidated by her. Again, wow. Yukihira, as you said, he's very like, Meh, why not? And he <laughs> makes food that brings her to her knees. And she loves it. But she can't admit that she loves it because apparently she's a uh, sudere. But 
but she doesn't like uh, what she perceives as Yukihira's arrogance. Right. So she says, you fail, even though she's lying. Yeah. You fail. Uh, you can't come in. But the, the demon tongue, which is her grandfather or her yeah. father, grandfather, yeah. overhears it from the room over and likes that this guy kind of pushed, pushed her around and showed her, you know, that she shouldn't be as on her high horse. And uh, he gets... You can hear her into the school behind her back. So she's shocked to see him. Yeah. So I think this show set up, the crux of this show was going to be the relationship between these two characters. The yeah. Tsukune, the, the queen, the, uh, the princess that she is versus the rump, rough and tumbling uh, Yuki Hitosoma. And mm-hmm. what I thought was interesting about that episode, I think the first episode I was like, this is kind of ridiculous, but I'll give it a shot. Still give it another few episodes. I mm-hmm. think this was a good setup for what the show was going to be about. It was going right. to be about the two of them and how he was going to basically conquer her mm-hmm. stuffiness to get her to like understand that food is more than just this fancy cuisine shit she gets. But I remember very distinctly the moment when she, like she told herself, she's like, I'm a goddess and she's wrapped in fine silks and like angels are pouring her wine. And then she eats mm-hmm. the egg, which by the way, it's like he gave her rice, scrambled eggs and like chicken jello. <laughs> And that was the most that was the most amazing thing. And this goddess amongst Mount Olympus. Well, no, no, and also as she's as she's eating it, these little cher- uh, tr- uh, cherubic like yeah. you angels hear with like, his head on it start yeah. like manipulating her body and like tickling her with their, with their feathers. Yeah. And she's like, "Stop it!" Which, that was another thing in the first episode. So Yukihira is a brilliant chef. Yes, but. Like many chefs and like anyone who is the best in their field, you have to push the boundaries to see what's next. And by doing this, he's always creating something ultra disgusting. Right. And whenever, like, it's like octopus in peanut butter. And you're like, well, that, but whenever it shows someone trying one of his disgusting dishes, they get violated by an octopus. <laughs> the first, okay, the poor first girl, who, by the way, you'll probably never see again in the show. I've watched the whole thing. She was just there to have her legs opened up spread eagle and a, t- and a peanut butter tentacle was going to come in and go, right in between her legs. I was like, oh my God, poor girl. I could get that. I don't know how that's, I don't know how that's enjoyable for either of them. I was just like, what is this? And they did the same thing to, um, so, so first off, the idea that like, this woman who apparently can, like, you know, tell the difference between salt is just brought to her knees by, like, scrambled egg rice with, with, with chicken jello was just an interesting thing. But did but does, like, make anything that they do look good. Like, everything that's made in this right. show looks mm-hmm. like real food, and it looks really, really good. So Right, and to that point, like, uh, partly because of its absurdity, but partly because I love food, Generally, when we do uh, a deep dive on a show, I watch um, no less than four, usually up to six yeah. episodes, and I plowed through ten episodes. I know. I'm proud of you, buddy. I'm proud of you plowing through. It was just, it was like the food. It went down real easy. Yeah. Yeah. So what I got spicy, you know what I'm saying? So you you got to see kind of like the, the kind of general idea of like, you can hear it as always meaning and, and exceeding expectations through his like no nonsense, r- rough and tumble food. And he does it further and further. The, the relationship with, with, uh, um, Edina is very important for the show. Um, but really we then meet another character. And as you know, the harem is starting to build. Yes. Right. You yes. got to meet, uh, Tadokuro Megumi, yeah. Megumi, who is the kind of country bumpkin from, uh, 
uh, from the northern area. So, like, he's, she's, like, from Kita mm-hmm. or, like, Hokkaido. But they make her seem like a real bumpkin. She even talks in an accent that reflects that, even though you wouldn't notice that in nope. the titles. But um, so, so talk about what she happens to her when, she, when you meet her. Which, by the way, I'm going to pop busy. Which one do you think she is? Oh, I got to go back to my notes to remember the Dede's. Yeah, she's, um, she's a Dede. Uh, give me a second. I'm going to pull would this you up say she's closer to, uh, Would you say she's closer to Altoona, uh, or is she closer to uh, the librarian? Librarian. So she is, that's correct. She's the Don Dede character. She's the... Don Dede, okay. <laughs> I'm so scared and shy. No, look, I can't right. do it. I'm so bad. Like that kind well, of... she was a hot shot cook back where she was from right you know well, that's, a, that's like saying like a hot cook from like mobile alabama like it's just right. like you're like and, the middle of nowhere and she comes to this cooking school she's incredibly bashful and she just wants like to fly under the radar and do her work yeah. so when yukihira gets into the school the the principal, the, the demon tongue or whatever he yes. is, he, he says, oh, here's this new transfer student. And uh, why don't you say a few words, Yukihira? And, you know, this is the most prestigious school in all the land. There's like 80 graduating classes. It's been around for like 80 years. Yeah. And, and he says, uh, I see this place as nothing but a stepping stone. One. Um, <laughs> I don't intend to lose or be shown up by people who've never worked in a real kitchen, too. And, uh, good luck, and uh, uh, I look forward to being here with you all. And, so, and, and good luck to you all in second place. Like, <laughs> and everybody's like throwing stuff on him as he's walking away. <laughs> and he's like, that, and he sees uh, Irina backstage, and she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I don't think that went so bad. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> like she is constantly like trying to soon do the way the hell out of him, but he's just constantly like he's like Teflon. He's just like yeah, I don't care. Like who cares? Because like all the pop and circumstance just like flies over his head. Right. So Megumi um, then gets paired with him. And, right. So so they they get into their first class in the chef that doesn't smile uh, yeah. episode number three. Um, French chef blonde. One of the things that confuses me about anime is I never know when they're telling me that there's a lot of blonde and red-headed Japanese people, or am I actually supposed to believe that this is someone from a different country? In this case, the chef has a French last name and he's blonde, so he's yeah. legitimately supposed to be a white guy. Right. Um, but anyway, so the last person in the world that she would want to get paired with is Yukihira, because if she wants to fly below the radar and just do her work, and this guy is like, everyone's shooting daggers out of their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Adam, you know? And they even... So, they even sabotage their meal because he... Right, yeah, so he, he says, watch the meat or whatever, and she steps away for a second, and these two jerks nearby uh, opened up the pressure cooker, so they were making a roast, so the pressure cooker has to, like, break down the meat so that's nice and soft, and it takes a while to do that. So not only did they pop the top open, but they poured, like, a canister of salt on it and ruined the meat, mm-hmm. and you could hear us says... I know a way around this. Mana, mana, done. You're starting to see all the all the connections here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and essentially, uh, that French chef, the one that doesn't smile, apparently, right. uh, in 30 minutes, when everyone else has like three hours, which still might not be enough in like not, three, yeah um, for like a long like a roast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in 30 minutes, he comes up with a fork tender roast. Like, and when he put his fork in it. It just it like 
went through the meat so soft. When he put his fork in it, it looked like Boston Market meatloaf. <laughs> it looked like Boston Market meatloaf with that extra like gravy that, that comes with it. Like, mm, cornbread comes with this too. I know. Um, and the answer was is that he used honey, and the chef is like, ah, yes, honey contains proteins, and proteins will break down the meat quicker. I'm like, hold on. And the dish was beef bourguignon. So I know that he had to use the honey, but it would have imparted a flavor that would so not be bourguignon. But whatevs. Garrett, not only was it pork tender, not only did it make the chef who never smiles smile, but then it also put Megumi into what would be only be described as a honey bukkake scene. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She's covering. She's just sitting there just like, this is great. I'm floating in the honey. <laughs> ah, such a great time. Which, like, I know what that symbolizes, guys. Come on. Just try to be a little bit more subtle with this stuff. And she not only then gets, like, covered in this honey bukkake, but then she, like, swirls the drink. <laughs> She's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good his all the all of a sudden 30-minute made honey beef boy bourguignon was. And then he calls the chef to smile. And I just, and, 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 and once again, looking at those scenes, it still didn't turn me off from the show. I still right. think it's a fun show. And right. no matter how much it gives me to these points where I'm like, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. Stop yeah. doing that. I still go, you know what? I'm still having fun with this. It's still a fun. Yeah. Until, fun. and he doesn't make a dish that I think is like total. Like, right. he, there's no twist serve of well, the no. thing that's like no. not even close to possible. The, the fourth episodes dish my wife and i are like that's disgusting so in the fourth episode yukihira is now at the school and he has to find his dorm and as he's walking to his dorm which for whatever reason there's no public transportation he has to hike up a mountain to his like dorm castle yes we get introduced to the polar star dormitory which for those listening is like where all the bums go. They basically put all the bums in this one room. You, you see, like, traditional Eastern hotels. You see Western-style, like, beautiful hotels mm-hmm. over there. But, like, they get the shack with, like, tubes that you can talk into. But Well, it's a shack, but it's still a mansion. It just it's hasn't been updated since hold, 1932. Like, yeah, but also, yeah, and it's big enough to hold, like, what, what is 12 kids in a, in a house model. Yeah. They have they have a good kitchen. But anyway, so as, as he's walking up there, you see a, a leaf of paper fly out of his instructions and so he gets there and the house mother says you're only allowed to stay here if you make me a dish you are allowed to bring whatever ingredients you want and he's like what i did not get these instructions (laughs) she's like well i guess you're sleeping outside tonight and he goes well what do you have in the kitchen she's like oh just spare leftovers and so he he puts together this dish which is like a hamburger it's like this disgusting-looking hamburger with a gelatin over it. And she's like, that, that we only had a gram or two of meat. How did he make it look so thick? And apparently there was canned mackerel. Canned mackerel. Mm-hmm. And he made a mackerel hamburger. And, and my wife and I were like, that's disgusting. But he was made by Yogi Yuki Hirasoma, Garrett. I, it just right, didn't. because Fumio, who's the house mom, was like, come on in! And it reminded her. All the time reminded when she was busty. She, she had this real erotic moment with a young man back in her day. She is this old bat. And it <laughs> makes her back to like 16 years old when she's like getting out of the water behind a shack next to a dude. And she's like, do you know what I want to do next? And you're like, ah. 
And when she wakes out of it, she's like trying to smooch with them. Like, Ehh. it's like, it's ridiculous. Once again, ridiculous, but I can't stop. It's right. funny. It's, it's entertaining. And like, mm-hmm. you just gotta like, yeah, you gotta give it, it's very tongue in cheek. Um, and then finally, what I wanted you to do, cause I told you you can get through like five. You could, if you wanted to, mm-hmm. but I wanted you to get to at least seven. So you can see what a Shokugeki or a, Right. Or battle would look like. Right. So now we are then introduced to a new archetype that you've never met before. Who her name is Ikumi Mito, and she is uh, what would be known as a gal character. But I, I'll explain that in a second. But what did you find from Ikumi Mito? Uh, Ikumi Mito, for so her family uh, runs like the biggest meat wholesaler in all of Japan. Right. So she's known as like the 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 meat aggressor or something. <laughs> She, I love everybody gets like a random title and it's just like, right. you're but the she, meat. But so basically, like, like she gets story. to bring like perfectly marbleized Wagyu beef to like every competition yeah. and she wins because she has the best product. But Yuki Hira, that's like offensive to his nature because right. to think that you can just buy your way into right. to having it. Inexplicably, she's always, almost always wearing an American flag bikini top, yes. which... And not, and then, and also Daisy Dukes with the top button opened. So she's got barely any clothes on. Right. Because the V of her uh, shorts bring you directly to her vagina. Right. Is essentially what it is. Gutter formation. Now, to to kind of give you an idea what her archetype is, and you're going to see these in a bunch of anime and in harem anime, Mm -hmm. they're usually like the eighth or ninth woman that you'll meet is what's known as the gal gal character or gadu characters. And there's actually anime based on this character. And it comes from um, a, uh, there's a a, a fashion district um, in um, called Harajuku. And you know, the Harajuku girls, which came with Gwen Mm -hmm. Stefani, the the dancers and Harajuku is like the fashion center of Japan for young young pop cultures. But one of the big things they like to do is wear very bright makeup and very dark skin and they bleach their hair blonde. Okay. So the characters will always be very dark. They'll be super tan. Mm-hmm. Usually have very like bright lipstick and eyeshadow and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And their bl- hair will usually be like this very blonde. Right. And so she's and then but also another thing is they try very hard to be very American like. So okay. they're kind of like a caricature of what Western culture is. All right. So I just want to point out though, if I've spent a lot of time with chefs, and from their the tips of their fingers to like their elbows is just a series of welts, scars, and burns because a kitchen is a dangerous place and things splatter and spill and happen. <laughs> and she just does not seem like she is wearing OSHA-approved uniforms. With, and like, as the meat person, she must work with grease, hot grease, all the time. All the time. <laughs> all Seriously, the time. she's like, hi, they're hot stuff, and she just like boils all over her. Hi, <laughs> 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 Mikumi. Oh. She's like she constantly. Do you have any more ointment? Oh. And she's constantly spraying on back team, just like. <laughs> so that's a good point. Yeah, she's not very OSHA certified for her food. Yeah. But uh, this so- is your first introduction to a shokugeki. So tell me what they end up into a shokugeki. But I want you to kind of bring up what that is and why he got to that position. Right. So this is actually the second one you see. Yeah. Because yeah. it's his first one. His first. You see a different one. Essentially, again, when he's walking up in, like, episode um, four to his dorm, on campus is a giant arena. And, you know, I'm going to guess it's not for, like, their ping pong team. And essentially, it is Kitchen Stadium. Mm 
it is a battle arena and they are called food wars but there are you might have to jog my memory there are three things necessary for a food war this may or may not be out of order i'll help you out here but uh, you you must have an actual agreement you must have you must get three judges to be willing to judge it and what was the other one Okay, so it's you got two-ish. Uh, so the mm -hmm. one is that you have to have an odd number of judges. So there could be three, five. There has to be a winner because there has to be an odd number. 71, whatever. Yeah. The second thing is is that um, it has to be – there has to be a committee person that approves it. So mm -hmm. you have to have someone who's a teacher or principal or committee member that says it's okay. You can't just be like, oh, I won. I, I win everything. And, like, mm -hmm. you didn't talk to anybody about it. The third right. thing is that both people have to agree what the rules are, what, what the, what's at stake. So you can't yep. just be like, I, I kill your parents. And then like, you're like mm -hmm. no, I'm not letting you do that. And right. like, it's good. Well, I got you a food war and my Chapeline is better. <laughs> so right. yeah, that's so, so how did he get into this? So essentially the first food war we're introduced to goes back to Irina. Yeah. Yakiri. Yeah. And she is all about progress for progress sake, mm -hmm. whether that's good or bad. And it, just like in our high school in America, there's extracurriculars, you know, there's yearbook club, there's drama club, there's all these clubs. So at the cooking school, there's these different clubs. Uh, one in particular is like the stew club or the chowder club. The chunko, yeah. So that's, that's traditionally like what sumo guys make for themselves. Yeah. That's why he's very big and sumo-like. It's yeah. like a stew that you just keep throwing stuff in and the water just keeps boiling. And so the broth constantly changes, but it's mainly like lots of vegetables. Right. Make them fat and big, yeah. Right. So, so Arena basically wants to get rid of these guys because to her, the food is not refined and it's not worthy of their right. school. Right. So she beats this guy, and after she beats him, uh, she makes a phone call, and a wrecking ball destroys their clubhouse. I'm like, these steaks are big. Better <laughs> not screw up that langoustine, right. <laughs> like a langoustine like soup. Better yeah. not screw that up, otherwise... So... So Yukihira is, you know, looking around at like the bulletin board at school and he sees all these different clubs that he could join. And one of them is the Rice Bowl Society or Bowl Sock. And uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really think about that name until you said it out loud. Like I'm reading it I'm like, oh, it's the Bowl Society. That's Bowl Sock, right? And then like, you're like, <laughs> when you say it to an English singer, I go, I work at Bowl Sock. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, <laughs> so again, he works in a diner. So he's like, oh, bowl sock. That'll be like a really good thing that could possibly, you know, help me. So he goes and there's this guy with the most absurd hair you've ever seen in your entire life. It's like Elvis Presley's pompadour. It gets erect, by the way. Like huh? He's either right. sad or like. Right. Because Miss Mito takes the cleaver out of her like thigh holster and <laughs> chops his hair off. But anyway, um, yet again this rice bowl society is something that arena finds offensive mm -hmm. and uh miss mito nikumi nikumi mito says let me handle this one um so i just want to get back to this arena is a part of this group called the 10 yeah and the 10 are the 10 highest ranked students in the entire school regardless of age right one thing that kind of kills me is they say oh well their decisions are even above teacher decisions. Teachers right, have right. to do what these students say, which I think is stupid, and I don't think any school would ever do. No, we're but, um, but yeah, so she's a part of this. 
And Yukihira finds out about this. And he's like, oh, so how do I become a part of the 10? And like one of his roommates happens to be a seven. And he's like, oh, you're a seven. If I beat you, am I in? Am I the new number seven? And the guy's like, slow your jets. <laughs> you know, slow your jets, bud. Yeah. Um, so uh, Nakumi comes to this bullsock meeting and is like, we're going to destroy this place and knock it down and turn it into something that we want to turn it into. Yeah. And she says, the only way you can stop me is if you beat me in a challenge. And the guy's like, the guy who was there, the pompadour dude, yeah. um, starts stressing out about it. Yuki here is like, I got this. Mm. And uh, he says, whatever ingredient you want to do. And she picks meat because clearly she has a distinct yeah. advantage by getting the greatest meat. This isn't going to stop Yukihira, though. No. No. Yeah. He's, and, and they have their first shokugeki. And what's interesting is that how, to make cooking interesting as a fight service, which mm-hmm. I think is really kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I think what's interesting about the first shokugeki, what you learn about the whole thing is that mm-hmm. it's kind of like Prince of Tennis, right? It's just, it's yeah. Oh, I was just about to say, because they can't actually show all the action, they show a little, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is internal monologuing. Right. It's a sports and it becomes, it goes from, so it hits all these different things. It comes like a slice of life school show to uh, uh, an etchy harem comedy to then all of a sudden now it's a sports anime. Like right. I thought that's a really cool way of doing it because once again, it's, it's internal monologues and external observers talking about, it's a, it's a chess of the mind, right? And she's constantly giving yeah. him the stuff. And I remember the first thing that she decides is that she's like, not going to wear the American flag bikini top. No, not the cowboy <laughs> bikini top. I'm gonna get with the flames. flames. I'm gonna get the flames one. And so what I thought was interesting there is that they were like, "How are you gonna set this up for her ultimate defeat? Like, how do you get her to the the hubris of like I have the best meat, everything's good." Well, what they decided to do, and I thought that was very, and I think it's clever. Is she loses not because her meat isn't fantastic. She loses because she she was doing a rice ball and she completely neglected the rice. Right. Thought that it was just something that you make strong like the meat, make it powerful like the meat, but then it makes it too filling, right? She made it like garlic. Well, she has tunnel vision. Right. She, she focuses on one ingredient yeah. and everything else falls by the wayside. And if there's anything that you know about cooking in real life, but also what the show hammers you over the head with, is how everything in a dish works together. Right. One thing really, it shouldn't outshine the other. Everything right. should complement one another. Right. So, and I think, so she ultimately... So they have this great dish and he makes uh chapeline, which apparently is I've never heard of seven seven dollar steak from from Price Chopper and right. he got it on sale covered with so much onion that it just it's taller than the bowl. Right. And so so when when they're prepping for this, uh, the guy's like, We're never gonna compete with our meat, and he said, That's not who we are. Right. Exactly. Or about the whole thing about rice bowls is they're supposed to be filling, they're supposed to be tasty, but they're also supposed to be affordable. Affordable That's the and, point. Mm-hmm. So he gets that cheap meat, and again, it comes back to like the honey and the roast thing, yeah. where apparently onions have a, a enzyme that breaks down meat and makes yeah. it soft. So he basically like crisscross cuts yeah. his cut of meat and slams more onion than I have ever, ever seen on a plate, and it's just yeah. like. You, before you get to the meat, you're going to have to eat like a uh, Tony Montana sized mountain of cocaine worth of onion. Okay. Okay. And you're going to have to get the whole thing <laughs> because that's how much onion he made you eat. And, and then, but like he also made sure that the sauce was good and she, and like, and that 
it complemented the rice, which was um, supposed to be acidic and refreshing, not not mm -hmm. heavy. So like, I thought that was really cool that they showed that like, you know, I can give really cheap meat, but as long as the dish is complete, mm -hmm. then it doesn't really matter the quality. And so first off, I have two notes about this battle. The first is when they try to make her seem like she's the butcher of all butchers, they make her do like these like samurai cuts. She's like running, like she's doing shuttles back and forth from the, from the beef. And like, you're looking at the actual cuts and like, I'm like a, an actual butcher would tell that woman to stop touching that. Right. I think because it's like, like it's, it's cool for a samurai on like a show to like yeah. cut in those strokes, but like, what are you cutting? You're making like, weird Meg stories. Megumi is like, look at the detailed way in which she butchers the meat. It's like, ah. Like, I'm like, that's very A, inefficient. B, you're, I don't know what you're cutting. You're just, you're like, you're scoring the fat in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, but the second thing was, I want you to explain, when she lost, she, she took the bitter herb of defeat. Okay. What, what did it bring to her, Garrett? What, what did you, what, what, what foodgasm did she experience when she did it? Oh, no. No, you're going to, I don't remember because I, I blew by this episode. I don't remember her, her foodgasm right, in particular. Um, yeah, so she eats it. And it's so good that it reminds her of her childhood in which her mother gives her a teddy bear. And her oh, yeah. Oh. Like rips apart her teddy bear and is like, you got to be brave and strong and, you know, oh. the girl's going to eat you up. And she's like, Damn. so now, like, this girl's going to, like, a real PTSD trauma moment. But then it ends with her, like, naked in a bowl of rice going, like, ah! and, like <laughs> but And it says bowl in the back. <laughs> One of the things that I like about the lead, though, is while he borders on crazy arrogant. Yeah. After this battle, when, which, by the way, the stakes were if he loses, he's out of the school. But he wasn't so vindictive in what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He said, if you lose, you actually have to join the Rice Bowl Society to help further <laughs> the evolution of, of the dishes. Yeah. And... After he beats her, he's like, hey, great job. You're my friend now. You know, she doesn't take that so well, but he's just, he just seems like a chill dude. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing. He's not super vindictive. Like, mm -hmm. the point of him being there is not for prestige, but it's for the point of, uh, uh, it's for the point of making food better. Right. You know, Quick flashback, because right. while I may not have remembered her PTSD moment, if we can go back to Irina's, uh, food battle against the, the sumo chowder guy. Oh, yeah, the so yeah. When she tries his dish, she's walking along a beach in her fantasy and then like the like the railroad crossing <laughs> signs come down and, and she's like your dish fails on 27 points and she starts listing it and he's like this is BS. What about your dish? You think it's so great? And he takes a bite and another sumo wrestler Smacks him across the face, and like rips off his whatever the the thing that they wear the sumo wrestlers wear, and he's and like throws him naked through. The he's air. like forward facing, like no. <laughs> so that's generally what the show's all about. It's really interesting. It goes in like these really topics, but the real so so knowing that you kind of enjoyed it, it seems. Um, yeah, I had a few points that I wanted to get to. This is um, the first was that the food looks really good. Um, yeah. It, it the, the the studio must be applauded for even story, you know whatever you feel about the story about the fan service aside, mm -hmm. they put real detail to make every food and item that they have look exquisite and something you want to mm -hmm. eat. I got real hungry watching every time. Oh I yeah, it, because oh like, yeah, it always looks good. 
Yeah. I, I, you know, whenever I watch anything like Asian themed, it makes me realize there's not enough like good rice in my life. And just like the stuff that they use, like Americans don't use mirin. They don't, yeah. you know, they don't use specific, you know, uh, you know, bonito style stuff. They don't it use was it, it was like ten o'clock last night, and my wife is sitting next to me, and like an episode was on, and she goes, "Baby, I want beef bowl. Where can we get beef bowl right, right. now?" It's like it's it it, it makes you because it makes you respect that they actually really thought their way through it in terms of like studying and researching this stuff like and that gives me to my next question for you and, and what you think is the stuff that they said the science that they use the techniques that they use was that believable enough to you even if they you know like thinking that honey is going to make meat tender and stuff like that or because well so uh i felt that the honey thing might have been exaggerated just in terms of time but there was other things like there was another episode at one point the entire crew in the dorm gets uh oh i thought this was funny was they all drink sake and get wasted. And like uh, a warning goes across the screen that says, they're drinking juice, just juice, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but uh, he sort of does this little mini battle with one of his roommates who actually turns out to be number seven of the 10. Yeah. Arena's number 10, this guy's number seven. But uh, when it's time for Yuki here to make his dish, he cooks mackerel again, but he cooks like a fish filet Right. And they discuss uh, po'olei. They dis- uh, there's a way to saute fish. So if you saute in a pan, it can cook unevenly if you don't do it right. So a lot of times, and you can do this with beef too, you can really do it with any meat. But if you've got a lot of oil in the pan, while it's cooking on one side, you can spoon your liquid right. onto the meat. Yeah. And it will intensify the flavor, but also cook evenly because the super hot liquid is cooking the side that isn't on the surface. Um, and I know that to be like a fact. And they brought that up in like episode like five. And I thought that was, you know, kind of cool. Although the fact that they're at a cooking school and everyone's been there for three or four years. And when the super talented character reveals how you can hear it, did it, everyone's like, how did you know about this? I'm like, that is, about day three or four. Yeah, the, you should know about putting butter on, you know, scooping butter yeah. stuff on, on steak. That's like, you know, yeah, that's like day two or three of baking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think ultimately our tagline for the show yeah. is going to be like food porn or real porn because, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think for me this was this this show with, it's it's kind of like almost wholesome story. Mm-hmm. It hits you in the face with those dual sensations, yeah. right? It hits yeah. you those dual sensations of, really good looking food and like really cool looking techniques and like you actually like almost have mm-hmm. experience it with this yeah. just like unnatural and uneven amount of fan service and it like kind and- of actually almost distracts from yeah. how good it is with yeah. that right i like it though because i kind of think that maybe if it was all about the food it'd just be too much about the food right. and i mean right. really i know it's still on tv but yeah. can you watch 15 years of top chef clearly some people are but but it sort of it softens it because it can get so serious and heavy-handed on that side that when they're like here's a breast you know you're like oh it's 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 okay to laugh again yeah and 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 it's it treats the sexuality almost as a comedy less less than a Mm -hmm. like an etchy way of making you like kind of get hot off of it like you're just it's supposed to be really funny and like it's just comedic when everybody gets naked and stuff so I mean, you kind of, and then they all share baths with one another and massage each other. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, it's supposed to be like, it overdoes it to the comedic sense. And I think that that make that kind of softens the blow a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the last question that I had with you upon reading this is that 
although the spirit of it is good, and although the the the, the central message of like you can you can be a good chef as long as you have a heart mm-hmm. in it, do you think that's really true, or is it really blowing smoke up your butt that like if someone came up to me and made a beef ball out of A five Wagyu beef, and I came in with seven dollar stop and shop, I don't care how much onion to pile on it, you know. Which, that's, that's not going to be any good. But do you well, think? Well, well, that's why they had to talk about the rice because she gave them one good ingredient. He gave them a complete dish. Right. So her meat was probably better than his meat, right. hands down. But he had a fully rounded dish. And is this a realistic underdog story? Is what I'm really asking. Like, is this? Sure, sure. Yeah. Because the the whole thing is, and and later on in episode eight or nine, he kind of meets someone again who's like 15 years old, and he's like, "I've been working in my family's kitchen for eight years." You're like, "Child labor laws." Yeah. <laughs> um, but but there are things that you learn. Look, I, I've not gone to culinary school. I know a lot of yeah. people who have, and it's one of those things where you could learn more in six months in a kitchen in the right kitchen mm-hmm. than three years at a school or really honestly, you know, some, a lot of the best chefs have been to culinary schools, but if you really want to be a chef, you could, you could fly to France and you could literally peel vegetables for minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're going to start. Yeah. Or, or you might not even start there. Right. You might start as a dishwasher. Right, right. And and then maybe you'll be garde manger and you'll be putting the salads and the desserts together. Mm. And then maybe you'll be the grill guy or maybe you'll be on saute station, mm. which, you know, this is not stuff that regular kitchens have. But when you have like a fully functioning multi-arm kitchen, you've got everyone's got the role in order to put these dishes together uh, and you just sort of raise up the, the hierarchy. Um, so. Yes, I mean, 15 is super young, but let's let's make it more realistic. Right. If he was 18 mm-hmm. and he had been cooking in, and his father was super talented, right. and he'd been cooking beside his father since 15, of course, growing up in his home, making dishes at his house, right. you know, since he was 8 or 10, right. hell yeah, he could compete with yeah. people who just went to a cooking school. Hell right. yeah. Yeah, and I think the funny, the, the where I feel the unrealisticness happens is that they make food seem like power in this world, mm-hmm. so much so that when you see Yuki Hirasoma's dad go off to be a chef somewhere in New York or what, it looks like he, I don't know where he was. He was somewhere in the West, and he he, he said, was like, in New York. He was like he was like in New York, right? It was so good that a Buddhist monk decided that he was leaving his faith forever because he wanted just one bite of Yukihiro's father's dish. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things that's like, they, they make it seem like if you are a good chef, you have power in this world. But I, I you, they're celebrity chefs. They usually get a lot of money. You can, you can obviously get a lot of opportunities and experience, but like, do yeah. I think that they run the world and can like knock over buildings? No problem. Like, no, yeah. I think it's fantastic as part of the show. So, well, because every, every great chef probably has like, someone who's in finance who's bankrolling their whole operation right exactly and you know and, and a chef's only gonna take a restaurant or stay with a restaurant yeah. long enough that that inspires them so yeah and that, and that's not romantic but right. this is kind of the way it is yeah. uh, chefs were we've really over the past 20 years romanticized the profession of a chef uh they were really sort of 
pirates. I mean, when when you go back to like the late '90s, early 2000s, when Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations came out, and he sort of exposed—I think this might have been the tagline on the front of the book, so I apologize—the underbelly of the kitchen. Um, it sort of showed it was kind of a rough place to work, and it still is. It's super misogynistic. It's like it's it's just. It can be really rough. And again, where it started was a lot of these chefs like who went to Culinary Institute, when they came back from World War II and they didn't have any skills, they built, it was first in New Haven, Connecticut, and then it was in High Park. But it was just people who, who couldn't do anything else. Right, right. And a lot of, you'll find, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend anyone out there, but a lot of times, like, th there's always this ongoing battle forever between what's known as the front of the house and the back of the house. Right. So the front of the house is uh, the waiters, the bartenders, the people who show face with the clients or the customers, and they always make more money. And then there's the back of the house, which is really why people come, right? Because they're supposed to come for the food, and they always make less money. But, but a lot of times, chefs can be surly. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's, that, there's a reason why there is a stereotype of the French chef that'll throw a knife at you. Yeah. And throw plates. And, and don't get me wrong. I've run into those people and they're not super successful, but that's, you know, it's, but over the past 20 years, we've made it to a thing where like rich kids are like, mommy, daddy, send me to a $45,000 a year culinary school. When again, right. I'm sure you learn amazing things at the culinary Institute any of them but right. you could also learn the same things if you went to the right restaurant and you got a minimum wage job and there's money coming in versus money going out even if it's not a lot of money right exactly so i think um one thing to button off is as we normally do is we give our weeb and noob score and mm -hmm. what that score symbolizes is you know how important is it to an avid watcher to watch this, can you kind of put it a little weight a little bit? Is it something that's really important to kind of mm -hmm. mirror yourself to it? Or as a noob, which is your score, how hard is it to watch? Is there various to entry? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. um, for me, I would give this my weeb score of 8.0. So I would say this is a good anime. Mm -hmm. It really leans into fan service. You know, you could put it away for a little bit and still come back to it and just have a good time. Like it's a, yeah. like you said, it's it's an easy watch. Mm -hmm easy to get into you yep. can you can come in for a few episodes and then put it away for a couple episodes it's mm -hmm. it's it doesn't have so much emotional t attachment to it like other anime can get to mm -hmm. i think that it's just really well done it's very well drawn it's very well well animated and i right. think for that reason alone you should watch it but mm -hmm. don't feel like it's like it defines you as a person like that you no. have to be like oh i'm this style i'm not there's no like i'm a yeah. cooking fighting genre etchy kind of fan like you it's it's candy, it's popcorn, it's soda, it's it's fun. I give it an eight as well. Mm -hmm. It's just barrier to entry. Uh, if you're not into etchy, if you don't want to see boobs flying at you, but but other than that, like you could hop in there. I think there's like something like sixty episodes or whatever. Right. You can probably hop in wherever you want, and you probably have a good time. Yeah. And yeah. even if you think it's absurd, you're gonna laugh, and you're yeah. gonna be like, hey, I can't believe I'm watching what I'm watching but you're still going to smile when you do. Mm -hmm. I always found myself laughing. No matter how absurd it got, I okay. still found myself interested in the, the, the outcome of the, of the show with Gekis, as mm -hmm. well as finding myself laughing, even when as crazy as it is. So, sure. la you know, uh, you've watched 10 episodes. 
would you still watch Shokugeki no Soma, Food Wars now? Yeah, that? man, I'm, I think I'm going to put it on in the background while I do some work after we end this Zoom. Awesome, that's great. So, you know, as much as I hope that Garrett enjoyed this property, as always, it really helps us to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Was Shokugeki no Soma, Food Wars, something that you really enjoyed? Was it funny? Was it a simple good time? Did the food make give you foodgasms yourself? Did you, did you find the ever-jiggling breasts so distracting that you didn't want to watch it. We really want to know because we want to continue the conversation because much like Garrett, we want to make sure that we're diversifying your portfolio, making you experience something new and, and going past the stuff that might turn people off and give it a, a go to get to the other stuff that goes to it. Mm -hmm. Once again, all, as always, we want to make sure that you follow us on Twitter with the uh, handle uh, at weeb underscore nude on Twitter. You can also find us on our YouTube page as well as we are hosted on anchor.fm. So uh, look for us there. Um, uh, as always, um, we want to make sure that you guys have a fantastic night. Any last minute thoughts on, on this show, Garrett? Uh, no, man. Uh, just gotta say a quick safety advisory. Don't fry anything in a pan in a bikini. That's correct. I don't, I don't blame you at all. You know, at least button that top button on your, on your daisy. <laughs> um, but with that in mind, hopefully you're staying safe out there and staying healthy and happy. Otherwise, have a great week. Take care, y'all.